Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. Tonight I'm joined by El Capo. Uh, Dan, uh, Dan's joining us, Capo Dan AFC. Uh, you will rec- recognise him, it's just a different Twitter handle. And uh, also Big T. Unfortunately, no Trev today, he's on his way down to London uh, to catch, catch a train to Bodo in the morning. And I'll tell you a little story about uh, Alex, our Danish gooner, who let us down to watch, um, I think it's still a nil-nil draw, is it? Yeah, it's still a nil-nil draw. Uh, Tony, how are you doing? I'm all good, mate. I've had, uh, I've had uh, sort of worse weeks in terms of football results. It's been a... It's been a decent uh, couple of weeks, I must say. And uh, how did you get it? I think you had difficulty mobility-wise at the football, didn't you, at the weekend? I did, mate, yeah. I, um, I've done a bit of ligament ligament tissue damage in my ankle, so I was sort of uh, hobbling along on Sunday. Uh, chose not to have a beer before or after the game, to be sensible. But, um, yeah, I, I somehow got to the ground, and I must admit I wouldn't have missed it for the world, and even better when, we were, uh, when I got the result. Which uh, put us back top of the table. It did, where we belong. We still haven't beaten beaten a big team yet, have we? That's why I asked in the, in the title. <laughs> Building a beat, a, beating a big team. Uh, we're, they're fourteenth in the league. Are fourteen points behind us, tenth in the league. So it doesn't count. They they didn't they beat a team nine 0 a couple of weeks ago, and they now find themselves below that team that they beat nine 0 Isn't that very ironic, isn't it? Football's yeah. a funny old game. <laughs> it is indeed, and the, the amount of bleating that's happening from. Bolt the bin dippers and, and that lot down the road about various decisions, which we'll go through as well. Dan, how are you? I've had a very good week, to be honest with you. Monday never felt like a Monday and Tuesday didn't either today. So I've uh, started the week in a fantastic mood. Everywhere I walk into, I bump into either Spurs fans or Liverpool fans. And I think I've never smiled so much in my life. So great start. <laughs> I'm surprised it, go, it goes told- downhill now you're with us. Well, yeah, I did think that. I saw your face. I thought, oh, never mind. Here we go. Here we go. I'm surprised you're getting One thing I'd like to start with, though, Fergus, if I can, just very quickly. Go on, yeah, far away. We are top of the league looking right down the top. No money, only explanation I can find. It's the form we have found from the noise inside the ground. And the Arsenal are on top of the league. That's it, really. Well, you're a former singer, don't you? Tony, talk to, talk to me about uh, this atmosphere that's happening in block five, block six. You know, how, how good is it, Tony? Um, just to start off, mate, um, for all of Dan's enthusiasm, he doesn't have a tone in his, you know, in his vocabulary. He is tone deaf. But I love his enthusiasm <laughs> and I love his passion. Um, and people like Dan that's come, come into the scene and, you know, throughout the ground, they're just creating an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, and if you look at a video there, it's not just the youngsters, youngsters that join in. It's everybody, mate, old and young, yourself included. You know, it's um, yeah, it's thanks. just a fantastic atmosphere. And I think that it just it, it typifies what Arsenal is at the moment. It's a unity, it's a togetherness. There's a real positivity. There's a real belief at the moment. Um, Arteta summed it up perfectly in his post-match interview after. We're enjoying it, but we haven't achieved anything yet. And there's still a long way to go. Um, but for us fans, we're just we're just enjoying the ride, mate. Um, we've not had a group of players that we can get behind for a very, very long time, um, and that's just evident in performance results, you know, before and after the games. Just there's n- not really any faults at the moment. There's just there's nothing really bad or negative to say. It's just so positive at the moment, and long may it bloody continue, mate. And Dan, uh, you're all over TikTok these days. You're the man with the flag. You got score guy, and now you're going to be flag guy. Yeah. Firstly, Tony, I'll have you know that me and Ed Sheeran have got a lot in common, and not just the air car. So um, <laughs> definitely not tone deaf. No, it's because I got a croaky voice. Normally, my falsetto is brilliant, but uh, not warmed up tonight. So I'll look forward to the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah you won't. <laughs> um, fair, it'll, yes. be, it'll be number one. It's from Arsenal. I don't, I don't know any other songs. They're the only ones I learn these days. You'll have something it, of a hit. I'll tell you. 
Yeah, I bet I will. <laughs> Um, the thing is, though, we're getting in there early and people are now gathering in the area and they're coming on the scene, Dan. And you get people, because they see it on Twitter and social media, get them pointing, going, oh, there's the fellow with the flag. And then all every, there's, a, there's a regular 10 or 15 that are coming and there's more and more gathering around that. And it's getting a little bit of a name for itself. OK, it's not it's not the Ashburton Army. Uh, they do what they do down there and all in the black and with smoke bombs and everything else. But uh, I'm too bloody old for that crap. <laughs> um Alex couldn't be with us today because he's uh, he got a, a last minute ticket to go to Copenhagen versus Man City, um, which is still nil nil. So I ho- really hope you're enjoying that game, Alex, because here would have been far far more riveting um, to, to be at rather than watching Man City down to ten men. And um, yeah, the only good thing was the tifo. Um, before we got into the game, we did have uh, the Londoners red banner was back out again, but that this time was in the East Stand. That's in the North Bank from last week. Uh, but here you've got the Vic, uh, Victoria Conqueste and then you've got um, uh, the uh, London is Red. What did you make of having the two banners and having a banner in the East Stand, Tony? Uh, you've seen red action over the years, gone to the football longer than me and, and probably Dan as well. What did you make of finally seeing something moving around the stadium? Uh, I must admit, I, was, I, was, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I love the fact that when the players come out, there's something for them to see. Um, it's not just about the North Bank and the clock in. Um, I thought it was great. Um, it gets picked up by the cameras, gets picked up by the players. You know, the world's watching, and, and to have to have bits and pieces, um, you know, throughout the stadium now is really making a difference. Um, you know, and I just think that typifies that, like, you know, when we can see, you know, rather than being negative and down, and and, and you know, they're, they're just we're getting behind the team. And, and I know people say, oh, it's only a tifo, it's only a banner, it's only a flag. But those small little details that the club are listening to, it's now the, the, the ripple effect is happening throughout the stadium, throughout the, you know, even even club level fans are you know buoyant and and in the boxes. This isn't just about lower tier. This is the whole stadium, and there's, you know, I look back and we all we all mocked Jurgen Klopp a few years ago when they celebrated a two two draw at home to West Brom, but that wasn't celebrating a two two draw. That was starting to try to create something. And look what that created for them over the next sort of five, six years. And I, I get the impression that Arteta and Edu and the club are trying to do something similar. And when you look at the the 18 months, you know, the first year was just obviously half a year. But when you look at the last 18 months, the amount of positives to take from that, it's incredible. And we could look back in 10 years' time and say, what an unbelievable achievement. What it's created, it's created, a, you know, a unity, a togetherness. Um and like I just said earlier, just to allude to, long might continue, mate, because we're in such a good place right now, and it's just so, it's just so happy and pleasant to, to be going to Arsenal, not just to have a beer with your mates, but because of the football as well. Um, and you know, not many of us can say that for a long, long time. You alluded to about Arteta and Edu and stuff, and I, I just saw something on Twitter before we went live. Uh, have a look at this; it's only um, a minute long, but it's Arteta uh, talking about the connection between the fans um, and the club. My biggest purpose it was, I was seeing all the time Arsenal fans talking about the club, about an individual, about the staff, about an owner. I said, if we get for them to really feel a sense of belonging and proud about the club and talk good things about each other, about the player, about the team is playing, about the owner, about the board, about the decision that we're making, about recruitment, we have no limits. But if what we're doing is completely the opposite, then the potential can be really high or it can be really low. And now I hear people talking nicely about things. And I always said here, so good things about each other because that brings a different energy and vibration around the place. And can you quantify that? No. The level of trust between you and I, what is it? I don't know, I can't put a number on it, but I can feel it and I can sense it. And if I sense that you trust me and I trust you, our relationship will be much better. Um. Dan, thoughts on that that piece? I think he's pretty spot on, and I think I think there's a lot of good thoughts and good comments being made about us from top to bottom, and I think that started with the comments that have been made that I've heard a little bit about the the board and the owners a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure that opinions on sort of Stan himself has changed, but certainly you know, from him down and his son and and the guys that are that are running the club from the top seem to be in unison with the team and the fans and and have just a plan, a plan that I think the fans can get on board with 
and that the plan the fans can see something tangible that's actually happening as a result of that. And um, I think, like Arteta said, that just brings everyone together, that, that they're all on board. And I think we've seen that in so many instances with the fans in the ground, that when we concede a goal, the fans' first thought is pick the team up, not complain. And I think we saw it again on, on Sunday. Mm, no, I agree. Uh, just a comment before we've gone to the actual game itself from Jack. Uh, here says, um, it looks good, but the red action flags are a bit pathetic, if I'm honest. When you look at what Ashburton Army have got their own flags in. Two different organisations. Red Action have worked with the club and the fan base, and the um, they're on the uh, supporters trusted, uh, not supporters supporters forum, and they represent uh, a section in the North Bank and have done since the, the stadium was um, built. Um, and a lot of what they get is funded and uh, by the club. They get funding by the club. Where Ashburton Army, what they do is they've um, they've built something up. They've got permission and worked with the club, and they fund it themselves. So. Um, I also think that what they've built with the atmosphere down in that end is probably more a bit acceptable to have flags in there. I'd be fine with flags most of the time um, in, in, in the ground when, you know, I don't know, half time when the teams come out and stuff like that, waving around. But I'm not sure if I'd want them going right throughout the game. Uh, I've been to Germany and I've been in Dynamo Dresden's K-Block and the flag's gone all the time, capo drums and everything else. Uh, it creates a great atmosphere, but I was there as a, a tourist uh, so it was fine for me just to experience it, but I think if you're actually trying to watch football, Dan, would you would you like somebody with flags waving them in your face? I'd like a section for it, and I think I'd like people to be able to go in and out of it. But like you said, and we touched on this earlier, that everyone supports the team in a different way. So I think to have the opportunity to support them how you feel is good. So to have an area, but yeah, I don't think um, I don't think I can see that certainly in the North Bank yet. I think we've still got a. Different demographic of fans in an old bank compared to the clock end. Okay, Tony, would you would you be on board with that sort of mindset? I think that um, don't run before you can walk. Um, we've made great strides and huge improvements. Um, you know, from a couple of years ago, ten years ago, to the back end of hybrid days. Let's just continue seeing where we're going at the moment. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like Dan just said, we've got a different. Um, you know, completely different selection of fans, old, young, you know, rich or poor, you know, let's just, let's just stick to what we're doing, keep making these improvements, keep doing what we're doing. Um, and then obviously at the end of the season, if things have, have take, gone to that next level, then we can potentially look at other ideas and, and, and try and create uh, the atmosphere even more and, and even further. But right now, I think, you know, the flags before the game, you know, the flags in the clock in is great. But yeah, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just keep doing what we're doing and, and building that unity and togetherness. Because you know, the the, the 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 louder we are, the prouder we are. It seems to be um, generating um, and getting through to those players. So let's just continue sort of doing what we're Definitely. doing. And we're going to have safe standing in next year. So that would be the North and the Clock End, uh, North Bank and the Clock End, uh, segregated with safe standing. So maybe that's the time to look at it. Some of the older uh, season ticket holders, because the North Bank is predominantly season ticket holders. Uh, where the clock end is red, silver, and junior uh, junior gunners cannons and stuff, they'll be able to move around into different areas. So, um, I, I, if you if you're not forced standing all the all the time uh, because you your ill health or whatever, or you just you just don't like it, um, you'll be able to move around the stadium. So, I think you will have a, a slight change in the North Bank. But let's 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 move on from there. Uh, we had a a change in lineup, um, which I think all took us. We were told about it beforehand in the pub. And uh, well, we're trying to in between chance. Um, that who do you drop? Would you drop? Would you? Um, Zinchenko's not fit. Do you play KT or somebody randomly said? Well, you can play Tomiyasu right back. Dan, what did you make when you saw the lineup? Do you remember the conversations we were having? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I was I was surprised to see him start because having Tierney in the squad, I thought Tierney would start. Um, I've always sort of had this opinion that Zinchenko would be more the guy that comes in when we're on the front foot. Tierney would be the guy that comes in maybe when we're up against it a little and we need to be a little bit tighter. Um, but clearly, they had a plan. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be that it was down to a niggle for Tierney that I'm aware of. Um, and I think Tommy Asu actually did a fantastic job of, of man-marking Salah. And from what Liverpool seem to do a lot is that when, when they do get pressed, the ball gets to Van Dijk and they play these diagonals across the cellar. And I think Tommy Asu cut those out fantastically. And that Tommy Asu is obviously a lot better in the air, has a bit more of sort of stature and height and um, can sort of deal with those those long balls. And I think that to win those balls, 
and win the ball back is just what helped us sort of push forward and um, win the ball high up the pitch still as well and be able to counter. So I think it, it obviously worked very well, but I was I was very surprised to see it. Yeah, looking at the lineup was Ramsdale and Goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tomiyasu, Party and Shaq in the centre, which is definitely our, our best centre pairing. Uh, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli and Jesus. And we'll talk about uh, Saka and Martinelli a little bit in, in, in particular and how they're working. And I'm just watching some of the Match of the Day stats and some stuff that Ars Blog put up as well. It's some really interesting stuff. T- Tony, what did you make of the lineup? And what do you think of Liverpool as well? They went to a 4-2-4 formation. Um, yeah, pretty much what Dan just said. I think the lineup was was what everyone expected, other than the the, the sort of inclusion of Tommy Asu at left back. Um, it took me by surprise a bit, but when you look at it on paper, you know the heading ability and in terms of one on one defending, he's probably our best defender in terms of that one on one. So it sort of made sense. And then obviously, when you see the game, you thought it was an absolute masterstroke um, to, to to do that. Um, Liverpool did surprise me a bit, mate, <clears throat> to go for, you know, considering the start we'd had this season and, and the improvements we'd made uh, and then the poor performance of, of, of you know, then the struggles of Liverpool, to go to the Emirates and have four up front um, and play such an attacking formation did surprise me. I think it surprised a lot of people. Um, but in all fairness, I thought Liverpool was the best I've seen them all season. Um, at times, I thought they looked very similar to the Liverpool of old. Um, although the last 15 minutes, it looked like age had caught up with Liverpool. Um, their era was coming to an end. The pressing was virtually non-existent. Um, and that's, there were signs that Liverpool were getting back to their best in the game against us. But at the end, their pressing was like, it's probably the worst I've ever seen it. The way we controlled the ball was knocking it about. We looked like the experienced team that's been dominating for the last three, four years, where they just looked like, a few of their players just looked like they were getting over the hill. You know, they were sort of, that was their era and they were on the decline. It was, um, yeah, it was surprising. Um, but obviously, ultimately, mate, for us, I couldn't give a shit what Liverpool do. It's uh, what Arsenal do and we got the three points and um, obviously we can move onwards and upwards, you know, to Leeds next week. I expect because your uh, leg was in such a situation, you actually got yourself into your seat prior to the kickoff rather than having to hobble down 10 minutes late. So you would have, you would have seen one minute, 50 seconds, uh, that goal going in by Martinelli. Yes, I did, mate. mate. I was in there 15 minutes before kickoff. I think it's the earliest I've ever gone to my seat. Um, but yeah, it was it was obviously good. And you know what was it, 58 seconds or whatever you just said there, the, the Martin. Yeah. It was unbelievable, and that certainly didn't do my ankle any good because um, there was some limbs in there, and the noise when that goal went in and and followed was unbelievable. It's, it's, it, it, was a, it was right up there. It was absolutely crazy. And Dan, it came from a, a moment of attack as well. I believe Liverpool had just, at the very start of the game, they came at us and they, they took uh, the kickoff and they came in um, and they tried to put a ball into, I can't remember who it was, and I think it was Gabriel or something like that, cut out, cut out the play and released what, we're gonna, what we'll talk about throughout the, the, the podcast is release Saka, who flies up the pitch on, on that wing, Martelli goes up the other, other side and the ball gets to Odegaard, Odegaard uh, supplies it in. Talk, talk to me about the goal. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we we sort of touched a little bit before the game, and I'd said to you that I thought that the first goal was absolutely key, and to to get ahead in a game like that means that we can play our own game plan, and I think it just suited us perfect to to have such a flying start. But it just showed how much we wanted it to be honest with you, and I think I felt like that throughout the whole game. But the, the reason we won the game is because we wanted it more, and in transition. We can be a very, very fast, direct side as well as keeping hold of the ball and, and, and playing good football. And when you've got a guy like Saka on the right and Martinelli on the left that are so direct, they just scare fullbacks to bits. Especially, you know, a team like Liverpool, when they've got fullbacks that really vacate the position and create space, that's where the space is. And when you've mm. got a guy like Saka, when he receives the ball on the right and he's facing up Van Dijk, he doesn't want to be faced up in that position, Van Dijk. He wants to be. He wants to be tight. He wants his fullback next to him. Wants his other, you know, centre back partner next to him, and he wants his defender um, midfielder in front of him. And then he's a bit, bit more sort of protected. But we we opened him up, and then they're completely out of shape. And then as soon as Erdogan gets the ball, you've got then a guy that's just got that little bit of sort of a spark, bit of magic that can open the team up and play that ball. Whereas most players would have probably played it wide to him. He played it in between the centre-back and the full-back and then 
Martinelli against so direct and a great finish. And um, yeah, just set us up for a, for a brilliant start. I suppose to get another point of view. Um, Gunnar Hills. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you sound Bruce. like you're in the toilet, mate. You sound like you're uh, in the toilet. I'm in, I'm in the waiting room on the station. I've got it all to myself. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, we're just we're just into the game itself, and we're just saying about that first that first goal and the reaction and Big T nearly losing his leg because he's already done his ligaments in and everything else. And then the reaction there afterwards and how how we tailed off, I suppose a little bit. And you can see in this graphic here, you might not on your phone, but you can see in the first half, a good proportion of the first half was Liverpool, and the second half was very much Arsenal. What what did what did you what did you make of that early goal and the, and the first half performance? Do you know what, Fred? After I peeled myself off the ceiling, I, I thought to myself, we scored really early here. Yeah? I'm over the moon, but this could be dangerous. And and uh, young players, they're so good, but I don't think they quite knew what to do from what I was seeing. Fred, they didn't know whether to push on and go for the second or sit back and and build on the one goal they've got, you know. And and it, that was the only I thought that was the only period of the game where Liverpool came back into it, and uh, and actually had a go at us. And 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 I think that honestly, the, it, Liverpool equalised when they did, although none of us wanted it to happen. It was probably just what the young Arsenal lads needed because we came straight back to life after it. And when we're all thinking, let's get in at 1-1 at half-time and, and we'll be all right, up pops our boy and, and puts 2-1 ahead. So I, I, I think we might have scored too early. I think we're a bit inexperienced, wasn't sure, but uh, by God, didn't they play, eh? They played fantastic. Tony, uh, before that second goal, there was a penalty claim for yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, go for it. Hang on. Right. Um, so, yeah, just um, there was a penalty claim. Gabriel um, handball in the box. I must admit, being there, I thought it was a handball. I saw the referee uh, wave it on. I thought, just wait for VAR. VAR, I've got to give the penalty. What did you think, Tony? Yeah, I must admit, mate, I was very, very similar. Um, I see the incident. It was literally dead in line with, with my seat, so... I saw it and although there was no intention to handle the ball because of um, the position of Gabriel's, um, I just expected it to go to VAR and give a penalty. I've seen it again on replay and although it although it possibly would have been a soft one, if that was if that was us attacking, I'd be screaming for it. Um, and I think it's more, I think the problem is, and it's, it's always has been, is the consistency. You see one decision, it's given, one decision, it's not. Obviously, thank you know I'm happy that it wasn't given for us. But you know, taking my Arsenal hat off, that is why fans are getting the ump because there's no consistency in it. You know, you see at the weekend with the, the handball incident, uh, Marcus Rashford. I didn't think that was handball. Yeah. Got disallowed, and yet Antonio literally pushes the ball down with his arm, and the goal's given. So again, fans are fans are moaning not because of the decisions, just because of the level of consistency from the officials and the people in the VAR studio. So. Going back to the Gabriel, me personally, if that was on Arsenal, I'd be screaming and I'd want a penalty. Um, but again, the word that keeps coming back to, to football is consistency, mate. And I, I don't know how long until we're going to get that level of consistency because, yeah, it just seems to be getting worse. Obviously, again, to reiterate, I'm f thankful that the decision, you know, went in our favour this week. But, um, yeah, taking my Arsenal health, certainly the decisions need to be a bit more consistent. Arnie says the rules say it wasn't a penalty. I don't know why uh, they weren't, but uh, it's probably something to do with t-shirt lines. And it's, it's the proximity, isn't it? It's within um, a certain distance that they say proximity. But again, there's no right and wrong because it's all subjective. So if you're in the studio this week and you say one thing, the following week I might not agree. It's down to me and my opinion. So there's no consistency. It's down to people's opinions. Dan, your, your yeah. thoughts on... Your, Sorry, your yeah, thoughts I, I, on... I probably disagree with that if I'm totally honest with you. And I think there's, there's probably a couple of bits that I've I've heard about that that I've seen on Twitter as well, and I, I sort of don't agree. For me, that's never a penalty, never in a million years. As a, as a football fan, forgetting that it's Arsenal. I know you said about close proximity, but that is you, he is so close to him when he crosses the ball. That can never be a penalty. Anyone that's played football can never move his hand out of the way. Now. For me, they got that spot on, VAR, in my opinion. And I think they got our penalty spot on. I won't go too much into the penalty because I'm sure we'll touch on it later. But I think VAR got all those decisions spot on. For me, the one that they got wrong 
was the Newcastle game. Because for me, again, the Newcastle guy, he's got his back turned and his hands there. I know the hands are up in, they say it's unnatural, but you can't play football with your hands by your side. And his hands up there and he's, Gabriel's trying to sort of show him down the line. And he's less than a metre away. If that gets given as a penalty, we're going back to how it was last year, in my opinion, and how it is in Europe, where if it touches your hand and you're sort of not walking like a statue, it's a penalty. Um, so We've I, had it go against us a few times, Dan, though, haven't we, in recent years? We have, we have. Um, but the problem is that VAR is changing year on year, so you can't really compare last year to this year because they are trying to tweak things and they are trying to improve things. Um, and it isn't very often, I've said, I think they got it spot on, but I think the Liverpool game was was exactly spot on as, as it should be throughout the whole game. Um, the new, uh, the Darwin Nunes goal, Trevor, you, do, do you want to talk about that one? And in particular, his goal celebration, which is pathetic, really. Uh, well, firstly, I can't talk about Nunes until the, the penalty decision is, is finished off Burgess for me. Because... Big, big toe hitting the nail on the head again. Um, I'm sorry, Dan, I disagree with you slightly in that it doesn't matter what the rules say. It doesn't matter how, what, what any of us say. It just depends on what mood that VAR bloke is in on that day. We've seen them given. We've seen them not given. We've seen them given when it's definitely not a deliberate handball. We've seen them not given. And the massive word is what, what we've all said, Ferg, and, and we've banged on about it on this podcast, is consistency. All we want the fans is consistency. I thought that penalty was going to be given. I, I had no doubt in my head that VAR were going to change it. Not because I thought it was right. I agree with Dan from that perspective. The ball was very close. He couldn't move his hands. What can he do about it? But I thought it was going to be given because we've seen them given all too often. So who knows? As for the Nunez goal, don't care about the Nunez goal, but he's got to be, he's got to be careful with that celebration, any boys, eh? Because it'll come back and bite him massively on the backside. You know, 34 uh, minutes in and he's gone to the North Bank crying. Doesn't he realise yeah. there's a lot of football to be played? He did. He that was... I thought he was just practising for full time. All oh, right. OK. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So we're, we're coming up to half time and Dan's beside me and we're gone. Just let's and everyone around us has just gone. Let's get in. Let's get in. Half time. We need half time. We need we need we need our Tessa, our big Steve to come along and say, this is my club. I love my fucking club, but uh, that wasn't Big Steve. Clearly, it was going to saw us. But um, uh, but <laughs> uh, we 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 needed somebody to speak to them and just hold them and, and keep their, their their feet in the ground again, because Liverpool did feel like they were a bit of an ascendance uh, at that point again. And up pops. This is the one from a, from a defensive. We're in a defensive position. The ball breaks to Gabriel. Gabriel uh, passes to Odegaard. Odegaard um, crossed to Martinelli, and Martinelli puts it across. I don't know who was in the middle, but Saka gets on the end of it. And the place goes absolutely nuts. Uh, Dan, I've got bruises here. I've got bruises here. I'm absolutely battered after that game. Honestly, that was that was after having Tottenham the week before. No wonder I'm not feeling well. Yeah, sorry about that. If that was me, I think I hugged everyone in the North Bank after that goal. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I don't Went know. on a bit of a surfing the head. Hugged after the North Bank, but um, we needed that goal, and um, just not for anything other than a bit of belief. Because I think we we had dropped off a little bit. Um, I don't think we dropped off as as much as people think intentionally, in my opinion. And I think I actually thought I saw a big big difference from us in previous years. And I remember a couple of years ago we beat Liverpool at home, and we won then, and we won on Sunday. But for me, they're just totally different games. And Liverpool, as they are, are still a great side, and they came on to us. But I thought we dealt with it really really well. Liverpool were just very very clinical in that game. But I think to play so well and to go in at half-time winning just picked them up a lot. And it picked the fans up because the fans coming in at half-time as well, the songs were going again. The, the, the fans were back believing, thinking, you know, we can win this game. Um, and then we started the second half, for me, fantastic. In the second half, bar the last 10 where we soaked it out well, we were by far the better side. Yeah, no, no, and again, it, it, that that heat map from Gunner Blog um, just shows like the second half we came out. We came out. What was said at halftime, T? It, it, we, we've seen all or nothing. We've seen the way let's fucking do these guys uh, can be done. Um, and and our sorry, sorry, where's he from? That's just 
just answer the question. Well, we'll go on. What? Do, what how do you think? Fuck uh, you! Know, just spat me fucking coffee out. <laughs> oh dear. Go on, T. Uh, do you know what, mate? I just funny enough, we we went down five minutes before half time. As you know, it's really hard to get a beer. So I went down with Georgie boy, and uh, bumped into his mate, and we were just talking about the game that we sort of got went into our show a little bit. Liverpool had come out, you know, they'd sort of the ascendancy, and they started to believe Liverpool more. And and I was saying, Saka had a, a, something happened with Saka. And I was like, you know what, the bloke needs to go. He, his confidence was a bit low, and I, oh, I felt that all his performances this season have not really. He's not got the reward so much. He's got a few assists, but he's not got the goals. And literally two minutes later, he goes and gets that tap in. And and I think, like Dan said, the belief you know from the players, the management, I mean, the fans on the concourse and in the stadium, it was like, do you know what? This is a different Arsenal. This is a resilient Arsenal. We're different to last season. We've learned our lessons. We're not crumbling. We're not going to crumble. We're top of the league or you know, we're second at the time for a reason. People are starting to believe in. So I, I honestly don't think Arteta needed to say too much. Because I think I think the the goal there it's a great time to score. I think he just he all he alludes to is boys, you've gone back in the lead, you're top of the table for a reason. Continue to believe in yourself, play together. The fans are behind you. So yeah, I mean the the first 10, 15 minutes after that second half, I thought we should have ripped Liverpool to shreds. We had two or three mm. chances to really kill the game off. And it was like, Jesus Christ, what am I watching? This is unbelievable. And then in a blink of a light blink of an eye, Liverpool go and equalise. So it was a bit of a shock. But again, the setbacks don't seem to be, you know, stopping us at the moment because the fans then start cheering again. The players start believing again. And they, I, don't, I don't know, it's very hard to explain this season with Arsenal, but there's a different belief and resilience. And we alluded to the other week, didn't we, that 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 um, the problem with Tottenham last season and Newcastle could be the best thing that's ever happened to Arsenal football, the best thing in the next 10 years that could happen to Arsenal Football Club. Because they don't want that repeating. There's that fire in that belly that's really spurning this Arsenal team on. And for us, mm. we've just got to continue and enjoy the ride because we don't know when it's going to end. It may not end for the rest of the season. We don't know. But for now, we're enjoying it. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. And I just think that our te as team talks are sort of already being written and, and, and said without him needing to say too much. Uh, apparently, you could be a motivational talker yourself, uh, T, Andy Fink. Uh, Trev. Said um, no one. <laughs> Said no one. Um, Firmino scores uh, that goal on the 53rd minute. Um, he's now scored 10 goals against Arsenal. He's the most prolific uh, Liverpool player to score against Arsenal, with the only other Premier League one uh, being um, Robbie Fowler. There's a couple of others uh, in, in when it was uh, non-Premier League, which goes way back for, for me. Uh, what did you make of the goal? I, I thought, was it, was it because, as Tony said, we were all over them. We were pushing up, pushing up. Pushing up. And did we leave ourselves a little bit exposed? Are pushing up that bit too high. Yeah, it, it was very similar to the to the two goals we gave away against Manchester United, wasn't it? We were looking at the better side, and and it just come completely against the run of play. I, I I didn't expect it to come, but that 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 second goal. I don't. I, you boys are telling me what it was like in the ground, but I sat there at home, and I'm thinking now, well, this this is this is massive now, because this is a young Arsenal side. This is an Arsenal side that's been pegged back twice in this game. History says we're now going to turn up our tail and we're going to lay there and let Liverpool run all over us because our heads are going to go down. So now let's see what happens. And the, the reaction to that second goal was just, I don't think Liverpool got another look in really after that, did they? We were absolutely superb. I was so proud of the players, every single one of them. Special mention for me, I don't like picking out players in a game like that. But a special mention for me, we talked about prolific goal scorers, and I know he's been off form this season, but Mo Salah was substituted out of the game. When Liverpool needed a goal, Mo Salah was substituted out of the game. Because Tommy Yasu absolutely pocketed him. Absolutely pocketed him. The bloke just didn't have a look in. Such a fantastic performance from that lad at left back of ours. So, yeah, that, that goal, Fergus, it came against a run of play, but it kick-started us, and, and it did what I was praying we would do. Praying we would do, and, and we took off, and, and then, I know you're going to talk about it in a minute, so I won't dwell on it, but I was so proud of Bukayo Saka. So proud of Bukayo Saka. When you talk about the penalty, I'll come back in, Ferg, but I was so proud of that young man. 
Um, Dan, anything to add on the on the uh, Firmino goal? Um, somebody in the comments said uh, Aaron Ramsdale could have done a little bit better. I think that's probably a little bit harsh, personally. But what do, no, what do I don't you think, think he, he could have. To be honest, sometimes you just have to give a bit of credit to a team that had a bit of quality. For me, it's a, it's a good finish. If he puts it anywhere else, he gets saved. He's 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 put it the only place for me that that he's not going to save it. I don't think he expected it to take it at that time. Um, just a very clinical finish from Liverpool. They've got a quality about them. But look, I think we won that game because we wanted it more than them. I think that was how it seemed to me that the players were just up for it and they really wanted it. The fans wanted it. Um, I wouldn't say there was an expectation, but there was a big, big belief before that game that we could win it. And I, I felt that the players believed that too. And mm. it just showed with how we started each half. Yeah. Um we're we're now up to the point. Seventy six minutes. Saka gets a penalty. Uh, Thiago uh, fouls Jesus. So we'll come into you last on this one, uh, Trevor, because I I know where you're going to come on this uh, more on the Saka sort of stuff. But I want to talk about um, one. Tony, did you think it was a penalty? Um, and two, the the hoo ha about um, Gabriel and Henderson. We don't know what was said. We can we can speculate if you want, but we're not going to. But it didn't look pleasant, did it? First and foremost, I thought the penalty uh, straight away. I thought it was a penalty. I thought he clipped in. Um, I've seen the I've seen the replay. Um, it is a little bit of soft, but in the new rules, and this is where there has been a little bit more consistency in this tackle. He's clipped him. He goes through the back of his calf. It, yes, it is a bit soft, but at least there's more consistency. And like I say, I think it was a penalty. Um, I'm not going to speculate on the Henderson Gabriel because I don't know what happened. He'd, he'd already had a couple of arguments before Henderson. Um, for what for whatever people are saying, I'm not sure if he's that that character, he's that type of person. Um, but listen, we don't know. Um, I think people are surmising stuff. Yeah, they're, and... they're speculating too much, mate. And at the end of the day, none of us do. You know, none of us know what he did or didn't say. So it's no point talking about that. What I will say is, I know he's the fans' opinion of this person has changed massively. But I just love Granit Xhaka. He just will always stick up and stand up for his teammates. Always, you know mm. what? And like, and it was good to see that Gabriel was there and Xhaka was like, "No, listen, I ain't having this. That's my teammate. You ain't touching him. You ain't going near him." And there was three or four people around Xhaka at one point. Uh, Nunes, I think, in in defence, was sort of trying to pull him away and break it up. But then you see, like, you know, you see old Benny Blanco running over there. You see Saka. You see a few more boys. This is now a team that's together. They're not. They're not separated. They're together as one. And they go running over because that's their teammate. Um, so it's great to see the, the 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 team spirit at the moment, regardless of whether you like those little you know incidents, those little you know rows. Um, but yeah, obviously, why? As, as as fans, when we see the pushing and shoving, it's great because we can just scream and shout and go as a way a way just to like scream and shout. But you know what was even better is that the, the whole turnaround of Shaq. I know we've spoke about him a few times this season. You know, and other yeah. podcasts have done it as well, but. For the fans, then why he's in that ruckus? For the whole fans in the North Bank to be singing his name, getting behind him as our player, because they've seen him stand up. I just thought it just again it just typifies what Arsenal is at the moment. It was just a real togetherness, and it's great to see. And like I say, long may it bloody continue. Trev, talk to us about the penalty. Um, I I will talk about your blog as well after we've done the game. But um, yeah, talk talk to us about the penalty. Yeah, well, do you know what? I thought it, could, well, it was one of them again that if it wasn't given, you could have seen why it wasn't given, but you could also see why he gave it, and uh, we were very grateful to get it. Um, and then it all kicked off, didn't it, as Tony was talking about, with Anderson and Xhaka and Gabriel, and, and all this time, the young man, Saka, who stood over the ball, waiting. He's missed a penalty for England last year. He was a young lad. Wait, it's a massive game. He's waiting and waiting and waiting. And then just run up like it didn't bother him in the slightest, didn't he? Just went cool as you like. Even the keeper, it was that kind of penalty. The keeper went the right way and still never got near it. That's always a sign of a good penalty. When the keeper goes the right way and the right height and the, and the ball still hits the back of the net, you know that's a class penalty. Just picking up on what Tony said there, you know, about the players and the team. It's the way I summed, summed it up. Is, is that we've got 11 players on the field as, as we've always had 11 players on the field in recent years you know every team has 11 players but not every team 
as a team of 11 players. They might have 11 players and half a dozen of them will be prima donnas, you know, not wanting to be part of that team. Whereas you look at what we've got now and you think that, that lot would die for each other. They would put their necks on the line for each other. And that's so important in a team sport. So important in a team sport. And you've got to give Granny Xhaka a lot of credit for that. Watching him now. Watching him now. He's coming to his own. Coming to his own. Not just not just the way he's playing the game, but the way he's conducting himself. He's a completely different man, isn't he? He's a completely different man. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. On a penalty, uh, Saka stepping up. After all the crap and everything else he took, um, and not far from where we normally are, around between block five and four, was the wall with all the uh, letters from the, the young kids that rolled into him. For him to, to, to step, step up in that, in that uh, moment in time, to take the winning goal and the penalty, he's got, so, he's got some cojones, hasn't he? Of course he has. Of course he has. It, it, he's, he's the most... I'm gonna, I'll put my neck on the line. I, I, I know you're going to talk about the blog, and I thank you for that. Just thank you very much. But I'll, I'll put my neck on the line and say, right now, he's possibly the best young player I've seen at Arsenal in my lifetime, in my time watching Arsenal. And trust me, I've seen some stars come through them rank. But this lad, he, he really excites me. Something special. Hmm. Um, the only last thing to really talk about on the game, um, well, we had, with Gab, Gabriel, uh, uh, um, well, we had the performance of uh, Saka and um, Martinelli. Dan, do you want to talk a little bit more about like these? These again, I didn't share these with you beforehand. I'd, I'd, I'd show them briefly, but you've got Saka on on the right, and you have got Martinelli on the left, and you can just see uh, it's definitely a game plan to get them up and have Jesus and Odegaard in the middle. Yeah, I mean, we, we touched it, or I touched on it a little bit earlier um, at the start. For me, you know, when you when you play Liverpool, you know where the space is. It's in between the fullbacks, and you've seen teams like Man United that have had success by being very, very direct into that space. And when you've got guys like Martinelli and Saka that are just so good one on one that can commit players, if you can get the ball into them direct and you can isolate someone out of position, you're going to create chances and, and, and you're going to get sort of you know further up the pitch, into their box, and beat their press. And Liverpool have always been a team that's very, very good at pressing, and that's that's where they sort of contain teams. And, and you know, they put them under such pressure, and when you can't keep the ball for big, big periods of the game, you do sit into a shape. And that, for us, was our outball, the way of getting up the pitch, getting out. And, you know, I think Trevor was, Trevor was spot on when he says, you know, I, I read his blog as well and sort of maybe lead you into... What you'll touch on in a minute, but Saka is just an unbelievable, unbelievable talent. And I don't know if he's the best young player I've seen, but I think he's certainly up there in in the top couple. Um, I think Jack in the chat said Sesk, and I think that's obviously one of the main ones that, that stands out to me. Certainly, in, the, in his younger days, although he wasn't with us for a long, long time, um, Anelka. Um, unless you're sticking to just people that come from the academy. But how broad are his shoulders? You know, you look at, listen to the Peter Drury um, commentary he had on that penalty. To go through what he's been through, he wants to be that guy that steps up and is our match winner and is the guy that's going to win us not just games, but for me, trophies in years to come. And it's him and Martinelli that are the, the two guys that for me are going to carry this club. Hmm. Um, Trev, uh, on gunsandyellowribbons.com, uh, occasionally Tony and uh, Trev do blogs. I'm crap at speaking, never mind writing. Um, and there was one that you'd done was your observations um, from a TV viewer by Hilsey. And uh, it was re I really enjoyed it, and I recommend people to go and have a look and have a read of it. But some of the points that you made on here, Liverpool kicked Saka all over the park, particularly in the first half. And that, I think that was Michael Oliver, I think the referee... They let a lot go these days, but I just thought he, I, I wasn't overly pleased with, with his uh, overall performance. Um, you know, we look better throughout the whole game. Uh, Martin Tyler <laughs> truly doesn't like it, but do we care? And Turkey Teeth Club, Klopp was uh, mastered by Arteta. Um, Trev, you enjoy doing these, don't you? I do, Fergus. I've not been in the right frame of mind since doing in the last few months, but we know the reasons why. I'm not going to dwell on that, but I just... 
I, I watched that game on Sunday and I thought, I've got to write about that game. I'm so excited about it. I've got to write about that game because it was so special. It was so special. And I appreciate you taking the time to show it on here, Fergus. Mate, listen, boys, I'm going to have to go because my train's about to come in, my next train. Um, so I don't think I'll get back on because on the train I won't have so good a signal. That's fine. In Dan, enjoy Bodo. We're going to talk about Bodo shortly, uh, but you enjoy yeah. it, mate. But I'll, I'll try and give you a shout tomorrow night, Fergus, from Bodo. Dan, I'll be on that train on Sunday, mate. Um, I'll get on it at Grantham. Text me and let me know what coach you're sitting in. And uh, I'll wave to you from first class, mate. All right. And, uh, and um, I'm blocking you now. Listen, don't just just be careful with your flag on Sunday because then Leeds fans took a big dislike to Fergus last season. And I wouldn't like to see us get in any trouble. But it, it, love you all, boys. It, it wasn't me. I, I was all. I was, I was, I was our mate Potsy that they, they were having a go at. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Yeah. All right. Boys, boys, I love you all. Thank you for letting me talk. I wasn't going to come on tonight. But when I saw Ruby's on, I was desperate to get on because I, I, I love talking to you three. And uh, I can't wait to get back to the Emirates. It will be soon. Um, so exciting, isn't it? I'm, just before I go, so exciting what we're seeing at the Arsenal. So, I've, never felt, I've not felt this buzz for years. Wonderful. Wonderful. Boys, I'll try and talk to you tomorrow, but I'm, I'm, I'm off now. All right. Love you all. Take care, boys. Trip, safe travels, mate. Safe Take safe care, pal. Safe travels. Up the Arsenal. Thanks, boys. Cheers, boys. Cheers. I am um, so just passing on that very, very quickly, Fergus. We, um, I was chatting to Trev last night and he said, um, you know, be careful in Leeds. There was a few fans that took a dislike to, to Fergus. And I just said, well, to be fair, that's not just Leeds fans, is it really? But, you know. <laughs> Now we, we all Do you know what, Dan? From, I was uh, going to say that when Ferguson was talking, uh, when Trevor was talking, I thought, no, I won't jump in there. I'll leave Fergus alone tonight. Now, people, people might have seen it. Um, we done a, it was me and Potsy walking up from the dry salter, and we, uh, we saw the team announcement. We we're just talking about what the lineup was, and there was uh, a bunch of twenty-something-year-olds behind us, mixed uh, bunch of people, and they're going, oh, uh, "I'm going to cut you up, you cockney," and, and they're got to cut you up, cut you up. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spark you out, you Cockney. This, that, and the other, and we just ignore them. We kept carry on talking until one of the guys, an Asian one, come along and goes, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna slash your throat, you Cockney." This, that, and the other, and at that point, I turned around and said, "Sorry, mate, I'm Irish. Do I, does that still count?" And they're, oh, it's only banter. I said, "It sounds like banter, jog on, sort of thing." And that's what that's what happened. But it, the, it's it that and Manchester were the two places I've found. With the most unpleasant Manchester United, that is, uh, found with it the most unpleasant everywhere else. I've I've not had any issues whatsoever. T, you've been around loads of places. Where would you say um, is your least favourite away day? Uh, I think I think the obvious is the least is is also my most favourite away day, and it's Tottenham away. Um, yeah, it's a different breed down there um, with with the pints of. Of uh, pints of piss being chucked over you, and you know, trying to jump you, and that it's, to be fair, it's a water for ducks back in that, but you know, that's the only place I've ever the last ever game of White Lane was, was was different, and that's probably the the most sort of so called intimidating. But like I say, other than that game, I've been at Tottenham, you know, Germany, Italy, um, you know, wherever with, with Arsenal, and it does never... help that you're seven foot tall, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I've never, I've never, it's just. Again, you've got to be sensible as well. You've got to be sensible who you're with and, and what you do. And but on the whole, to be fair, I've never really had any trouble at football. It, it was only that one game. And um, to be fair, other than that, there's, yeah, there's, I don't think um, you, you get certain people, certain crowds that you know you more so at Tottenham that when you when you're cert, certain areas, nothing gets said. You get to the bottom and there's all police and and vans and stewards and all of a sudden everyone wants a fisticuff. But you know, there's fans on it from every club that that gives it when they're a bit more protected, and and that's just unfortunately part and parcel of football. But again, like I'm one of those. If you you want to fight, let's get in a boxing ring or something. You know, going down the football and fighting ain't ain't my no. cup of tea anymore. No, um, Trev's on route to Bodo, as we just said. He's uh, I think he gets in about half ten tonight. The Gatwick can fly out, flies out early to Oslo. He's got a three four hour layover in Oslo. And then on to Bodo, gets into Bodo late tomorrow afternoon. Him and Terry are going. Uh, they're, they're two of 404 fans that are going. They can pick up their tickets at 2 o'clock on Thursday. From There's a hotel down near the port. It'll be a very nice town, um, very expensive. 
uh, 20 quid a pint. So Trev doesn't buy many beers, so he'll be all right. Um, and uh, artificial pitch, they've got an artificial pitch. Uh, if we get three points here, it virtually guarantees us qualification, uh, Dan. We'll be on nine points after three games. And then we've got two games against PSV back to back because of the, the Queen's funeral and everything else. We're at home first. You'd like to think that we'd win at home. But even if we got a point, that guarantees us top spot, don't you think? Yeah, it should do. Um, I think I'd prioritise the game at home, to be honest, against PSV. Because I don't think you can put out, a, and I say a weakened team, because I don't think it's a, a weakened team nowadays, but a weaker team. And PSV have a lot of quality. But if you're going to risk players on an artificial pitch out in Bodo, I'm not sure that's worth the three points. If we were to pick up an injury to a key player but still win, I wouldn't come away from that game thinking it was worth it. I know it's a strange feeling to sort of to feel like that, but you know, imagine a key player like a Partey or Jesus or a Saka or someone. I certainly don't think I'd be resting and um, be risking those sort of players. So that's mm. the only thing that makes me nervous for this game. Okay, T. Which what's what's your views on that? Would you um? Would you be pushing all out for getting three points on on Thursday? Uh, I'd be pushing to get the three points, but like just Dan just said there, mate, I wouldn't be risking. Certainly, party party going near a plastic pitch is the one player because, to some extent, every other position we've got, you know, certainly right backs and left backs, we've got people in come in and out of the squad that that can that can. Fill it's got to be a Laconga game, hasn't it? Yeah, party for me. You you do not even. I, I, I'm hoping he's not even travelled. Um, you know, Shaka again to a certain extent, but you think you know for, for the next three games, if someone wants to get injured, they're the games. If anything's going to happen, these are the the games you want things to happen. But um, yeah, I must admit, I'd go with a similar, a very very similar, if not the same team that, that started last week. I could turn her another you know few minutes. You know, you play even Tommy Asu right back. Um, Tierney have a run out of left back. Uh, uh, Tierney, Tierney would, it would be dependent on the severity of, of Zinchenko's injury because we can't afford to have both of those missing. Um, no. So if, if for instance, that you know, it's just a precautionary with Zinchenko, I'd give Tierney. If not, give give Cedric some minutes. You know, give Nelson some minutes. Give Marquinhos, Vieira, and Ketty a minutes. We sort of wanted a, a much improved squad, and this is the game that we're going to be able to afford those little bit of luxuries. Um, again, I don't want to take them for granted but with the squad that we've got and the team that started last week we should still go there and do a job um, oh, I'm not saying it's it. going to be easy but we should still be doing a job and you know for the players that are, are on the sideline and in the squad these are the opportunities they're waiting for go and grasp those opportunities with two hands if you're a Vieira you go right I'm going to stake a claim because I want to take Martin Odegaard's place if you're a Lokonga he should be going I want to take Thomas Partey's place I'm not saying they will take their places but that should be the mindset of each of these players in the squad going you know, I want to get to this level. I want to be in the first team. I want to be getting more minutes. So when you do get the opportunities, you have to grasp them with both hands. Mm, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so, uh, the, but the importance of finishing top of the group can't be missed because it means we have two less fixtures in February uh, and we've already got a fixture pile up with Man City and Everton being rescheduled because of um, Queen's thing and the PSV get and, and so on. Um we don't feel uh, face any immediate dropouts of the Champions League, uh, the third place dropouts that uh, in that round. So you progress automatically to the round of uh, 16. West Ham uh, progressed automatically to the round of 16 and they end up getting to the semi-finals. Now, I'm not speaking ill of West Ham, but I, I look at us even last year, I think we were a better team than West Ham. And uh, I think we could have probably got ourselves to the finals against Frankfurt uh, if, if in the same position. Um, and that was key. the key was that they didn't have to play uh, that February that, that February slot. Andrew, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, we 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 don't want those extra games. It's a very tight season with the World Cup, so the more games like that we can do without, the better. Um, top of the group has always got to be the aim because you will play other teams that haven't finished first in the group. It does mean in, in a very difficult time, I think, it is, is it February that the next knockout round will be in February time? Yeah, it'll That's be late February. Very, very busy period time. You know, there's always around that time, the cup games, 
that have started again. Um, you don't want to be playing extra games when you don't need to. My only, as I said, concern would be at the risk of big players being injured, maybe we have a bit of weighing up to do in, in what squad we put out. But I, I think we will, we will finish top of the group. I think we're a good enough squad to be finishing top of that group. Bodo away will not be an easy game, especially in the cold on that pitch. But that team that played them last week has enough quality to, to beat them again. Um, they were very spirited against us last week and they will be even more so at home. But given the chances, I think we will be more clinical than they are. I think we're a much, much better side. Yeah, just looking at the Met office uh, as we speak, I don't think they're... Uh, oh, go away, except all. Um, on Thursday... They've got 10 degrees, uh, 9 degrees at night, and it's 7 o'clock their time. So, yeah, there's, it's going to have a little bit of sunshine and cloud, uh, maybe a, an odd shower. So I don't think it's going to be the most inclement time to go to Norway and play a game of football. Listen, you mentioned the World Cup. The fixtures we've got left before the World Cup is Leeds away, Southampton away, Forest at home, Chelsea away and Wolves away. We've got one league game left at home before the World Cup. Um, Tony, does that worry you, all those away games? Um, no, uh, fixtures are fixtures. Um, I think if we, I always said that after the start we had with the first few games, if, we, if we're if we top one or two or in the top four in a really good position come the World Cup, um, it only enforces my belief in, in Arteta and the squad because the, the few gaps I still think we need filling can be done in January. Um, if we're in a position where we're playing catch-up, it makes our job a lot harder with the players we sign. If we're now in a position where everyone's catching up to us, the jobs that we have to bring players in is to, to fill the gaps and, and just continue the work. Um, I personally think that the fixtures are kind. Um, I know I know, like Forest at home leads away that is never going to be easy, Southampton away. But if you're looking at a run of fixtures now to really cement your place in top four... Obviously, football's not played on paper, but they're the sort of fixtures you'd be having. Okay, a bright, absolutely. You might have a few more at home, but you know, in in the run up in our rich vein of form and, and why these teams are struggling, these are the times you want to be going to these places. You don't want to be going there in the winter when we're in a in a, in a bad run and they're, you know, they've got the fans all on their side. We want to be going there when they're, you know, there's no real um, positivity. Can they're they're struggling and and the momentum's not. Momentum's on our side, and we have to continue that. And if we've got the opportunity now to, to go into the World Cup in such a strong position that let's let's be honest, even me, the, the most positive of Arteta fan, didn't expect us to be this flying. You know, it's, it's yeah. So we've got a real chance to cement that that top four position. Um, you know, come the World Cup. Well, the, the, the question the question I was going to ask you before I go to closing with uh, Dan was: Do you think we can be top of the league come the World Cup? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, even more if you know if we was to win, um, if we go and beat Leeds the weekend, that adds more pressure to Man City going to Anfield on Sunday. Um, look, do we do we think we're going to win the league? No, none of us, none of us really truly believe we're going to win the league because we think ultimately City are too good. You know, especially with Harlan. Yeah, Harlan, they've got a bit. It's it's the, the depth of squad. You know, for me and most sensible Arsenal fans, our target at the start of the season was to cement top four, get back into the Champions League, and possibly win Europa League. You know, FA Cup or League Cup. The season, the the, the start that we've had has got us believing. But whatever happens at this moment in time, our targets have not changed. We've still got to be realistic. We've still got to maintain a main level of um, expectation. There's no point in. You know, expecting to win the league now after nine games because there's still a long season to go. We've still got a relatively thin squad. Right, it's a lot better than what it has been in recent years. We've still just got to be realistic and maintain that level of, you know, we're improving, we're confident, but let's not get arrogant. You know, let's not get complacent. You know, let's keep taking one game at a time. We go and beat Leeds the weekend and we can relax and watch the Liverpool and City game. If they drop points, then it gives us a little bit more belief and a bit more, um, you know... Uh, positivity going into Southampton away. So let's just take it game by game and see where it takes us. But I think, you know, expectation and realism still needs to be kept as, as well it was at the start of the season. Totally. Totally agree, T. Um, Dan, on the way up to Leeds uh, on Sunday to watch the game, um, 
your expectations of those five fixtures, Leeds, Southampton, Chelsea and Wolves away and Forest at home? I think um, really can we be top of the league? Yeah, I, I, th- I think firstly, just really looking forward to those games because people talk about a test against big, big teams. This is a test in a very, very different way. And we won, I think, if you look at those games, we didn't play Forest at home last year. We played them away in the cup, but take the other four. We won three out of those four games last year. But I think in quite a few of them, you can probably say sort of mitigating circumstances that that were sort of, you know, on those occasions. It, we won away at Leeds, I think it was 5-1. They had an awful lot of injuries and suspensions. Four, we won one, away, 15-year-old shielded, yeah. Yeah, we won away at Chelsea. They had no fans. They've still got none now, but there'll be more in the stadium. Um, we didn't beat Southampton, although we played well and we lost 1-0. And Wolves, we scraped a win and, and, and dug in. They're not easy games. So for me, if we come out of those games with wins, that really lays down sort of the gauntlet as such to, to the team chasing us. And I think there's no reason in this form with this confidence we can go through, I think like Trevor said, go for October unbeaten and be top of the league by, by the World Cup. And if we get to the World Cup top of the league, I think Tony's, Tony's spot on. I don't think people believe we're going to win the um, league. But I've certainly started to believe that we could. And I think I'm starting to believe that as a fan, with my heart more than my head. But the longer you go through, just ticking off points on the board, get through stages of the season with the confidence still there, the fear factor builds when teams come to play us. And if we and the stadium of- and the stadium, the atmosphere in the stadium as well is it's, it's becoming a bit of a fortress yeah. as well. And we've you know we saw this with with Leicester a few years ago. Everyone said, no, they won't win the league. Now, I'm not suggesting we're a Leicester. I think we're a better side than that in terms of being a, a sort of front foot attacking team. Like that Leicester side was a great, great side, but not quite the sort of forward attacking side. But belief started to build in that team and the fans got behind them. And I remember so many big teams going to Leicester and losing 1 0. And everyone kept saying, the next one, no, they're going to trip up. Next one, they're going to trip up. Next one, they're going to trip up. Game by game, they just keep knocking them over. Three points, three points, three points. And there's no reason why we can't do that. No, I, I can't I can't disagree. I, I think the longer it goes on, there's a belief. There's obviously clearly a belief within Arteta and the squad. They're not getting carried away, as you said, Tony. Ben White uh, in his interview was so non-committal, uh, it was unreal. Um, but, you know, that's they've just said take it game by game, game by game. That's but do you know what? The response that we've had to the the, blip we, the one blip we've had this season has been unbelievable. After losing to United, who, to be fair, even the the, the the pundits that hate Arsenal the most, the, the Kings and all that, have said Arsenal played really well that day. They were unlucky. This, this wasn't an Arsenal team that had gone to these big clubs and, and lost previously. This was an Arsenal team that was actually quite unlucky. You know, there was a couple of incidences throughout the game and a bit of naivety, but on the day we played really well. So then go to Brentford and win 3-0 very, very comfortably. You know, we could have won 6 7 8 nil. So then go and, um, obviously, the two Europa League games sandwiched all in between. But then to go and beat Tottenham at home very, very comfortably, I thought. Yes, they had a sort of 10-12 minute spell in the first half, but we comfortably won. So then go and beat Liverpool. And I know that it was only 3-2, but I thought we, we, you know, we run out, you know, truly deserving winners of that game. So to, to bounce back from that blip, it, we are going to have another blip in the season. We might have a couple of blips. We don't know. But I'm more confident now in this team to turn it around. This ain't going to be a blip of four, five, six, seven games where we're going, shit, you know, we are we are plummeting. This is a quick turnaround and the belief and the attitude and the mentality in this team, the manager and us fans, is completely different to last year and previous seasons. So when we do have a blip, I don't think it's going to be a long-term blip. I think we're going to be able to turn those, to those moments of you know adversity and quickly... You know, get back on the on the winning sort of um, on the. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned some teams in there, uh, and you said we've beaten some big sides, but apparently uh, we haven't just yet. So, on that note, uh, Tony, Dan, thank you very much, Trev. I know you're in the chat. Um, enjoy Bodo, and um, yeah, have a safe journey. And I'll, I'll probably speak to you tomorrow anyway. But uh, if you have have already uh, subscribed to our YouTube channel. Uh, thank you very much. It's gone up to 765, I think, now or something like that. And we're trying to get to 1,000 by Christmas. It'd be great if you did. 
Um, uh, but, you know, we are Arsenal fans. We do this. Just chat like this, like mates. Nobody's watching. We don't care. We're still, we're still going to chat like this anyway. Uh, but you haven't listened to Gunsy and Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans up the Arsenal. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.